It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Hello, Ute fans. Welcome into the Crimson Corner Podcast, powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your Utes insider, Trevor Allen. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Have a really good show coming up as we look back on the 10-year anniversary of Utah accepting an invitation to join the Pac-12 Conference. We'll catch up with the commissioner of the conference, Larry Scott. He joined me to talk about the whole process of how he got Utah to join the Pac-12 Conference and and how Utah's done while being a member of the conference as we look at how the voluntary workouts are going on campuses within the members of the conference, and will there be a 2020 college football season coming up in the fall? But first off, a couple of news and notes to get to. Three more Utah former Utah football players have signed their NFL rookie contracts, uh, draftees, that is, and the first one was... John Penasini a few weeks ago, and then Zach Moss with the Buffalo Bills signed a four-year deal, and then Julian Blackman has signed his contract with the Indianapolis Colts, so congratulations to them. And then former Utah women's basketball star Megan Huff signed a one-year deal with the Minnesota Lynx in the WNBA, so that's pretty cool. And then one more really good piece of news for Utah football is that defensive end Max Tupai has returned to the team. This according to Tom Hackett of KSLSports.com, which is big news because, you know, last year he was splitting reps with, with Mika Tafua on the opposite side of Bradley and I at that left end position. And now of what we should expect is that Mika Tafua and Max Tupai anchor both of those DN positions for Utah coming up in 2020. So that's good news. He, we all thought he was going to come back. He just missed spring ball due to some personal reasons that Kyle Whittingham announced. And obviously there wasn't much spring ball, so it wasn't that big of a deal. And But now he, according to Tom Hackett, is back with the program. And then a couple of pieces of basketball news. Former Utah basketball guard Booth Gotch has committed to Minnesota. He's heading back home to play for the Golden Gophers. He'll have to sit out a year, and then he will have two years to play. And then one that was a little shocking. I'm not surprised that Larry did this. Utah basketball signee Caleb Lohner has been granted a full release from his national letter of intent to Utah basketball, which means he'll likely sign with BYU in the coming weeks because that was, according to reports, one of the reasons why he wanted to get out of his NLI at Utah. 
was to do that. And and Larry released the following statement, quote, We are obviously very disappointed in Caleb's recent decision requesting a release from his NLI. However, we will honor his wishes and turn our focus towards the motivated, talented, and connected players and coaches that are committed to our program. We look forward to getting back on the court together this fall and return to prominence within the Pac-12, close quote. So that's a big hit for Utah as they get ready for the 2020-21 season. All right, now it's time to talk about what happened 10 years ago this month that Utah accepted an invitation to join the Pac-10 conference, which became the Pac-12. Now here's my conversation with Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott. So 10 years ago today, as we uh, are looking back on 10 years of Utah being a member of the Pac-12 conference, we catch up with the man who's in charge of the entire conference, Commissioner Larry Scott. Larry, how are you? I'm doing pretty well under the circumstances, but obviously a lot of balls in the air at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And we'll talk about that shortly, but I wanted to get you on because 10 years ago today, you sent out an invite to Utah to become a member of the uh, Pac-10, which has now become the Pac-12. Has time flown by? I mean, has it really seemed like 10 years ago that you uh, sent that invite to Utah? Uh, It has gone by in a flash when you think of it that way, but I've still got vivid memories of uh, not just the process, uh, but it was a glorious uh, day on the steps of the state capitol when we announced that Utah was joining the Pac-12. And uh, it was just great to see the community support and enthusiasm, not just in the world of athletics, but on that day, I remember you know, feeling uh, the emotion, the enthusiasm from the academic side of the U, as well as the community more broadly. And I, I look back with a lot of uh, gratitude and a pride because it's worked out exceedingly well from our perspective and Utah has been a tremendous fit to the Pac-12 conference. You mentioned that you also know the process pretty vividly and you know I kind of want you to, to take us through that a little bit of what you can. You had 10 schools in your conference, you wanted to add a couple of more. What was kind of going through that process of adding Utah to the Pac-12? Yeah well it's uh, even under the best of circumstances you know finding alignment amongst 10 institutions on a major strategic initiative like that and the criteria that was used was a behind the scenes process in and of itself uh, focused on what our priorities and uh, filters would be in thinking about what schools would make sense to add and it was about um, you know academically strong institutions and markets that would be additive uh, to the conference, you know, strong traditions with football success, men's and women's basketball, and a commitment to a broad-based sports sponsorship and excellence across the board in Olympic sports, because that's part of the DNA of this league, and um, schools that were committed to, you know, doing things the, the right way, that would be an overall fit in a lot of respects. Um, and that led us to Utah as a pretty obvious choice early on, but there were multiple scenarios Uh, During that time, expansion was in the air. A lot of different leagues were uh, looking at it, and we had multiple scenarios we're uh, working on at once. But, um, you know, I I look back and very grateful that it all worked out, and uh, Utah's added a tremendous amount of uh, uh, value to the league on a lot of different levels. It's performed very well, and, um, you know, it just wound up being a great fit in retrospect. It was 10 years ago to where Utah took that invite, but then it was another year before they actually started playing in the conference. How would you sum up the last nine years of this conference having 12 members? Yeah, I mean, there, there wasn't much of an integration process, I think, right from uh, uh, the beginning. Um, uh, it was a pretty seamless transition, and, you know, didn't take long for Utah to be very competitive 
uh, certainly in football, which we knew they, they would be. Kyle's done an amazing job with the team, you know, over many years. And, you know, we saw their strength when they were in the Mountain West. And when they, when they had the opportunities in bowl games, they took advantage of them. I still think uh, Kyle's got one of the best bowl records of any currently sitting coach. Um, so we knew they'd be competitive, but, you know, in discussions um, with Kyle and other administrators knew there'd be a bit of a transition from a recruiting perspective, just week in, week out the grind of the Pac-12 conference, uh, you know, the juggernaut that it takes to go through uh, in the South and then uh, the cross-divisional games. Um, you know, I think it took a couple of years of adjustment, but, you know, judging by you know, Utah's performance and making the Pac-12 championship game a couple of times in this past year, being in the top 10 uh, ranked teams in the country most of the season, you know, they've been a real flag bearer for the conference in football. And, of course, at competitive teams in men's basketball, Larry Kristoviak's been tremendous and, you know, uh, really competitive teams, done well at the Pac-12 uh, tournament uh, and, and across the board, you know, from uh, softball, of course, to uh, other sports. I mean, it's been, volleyball been, you know, very, very strong. And, um, um, you know, really haven't skipped a beat, I think, in the transition. And uh, uh, it's been, been you know, a very positive thing all around. Going back as you were looking for those teams to look at, I know that uh, there were two years that were really close together where Utah didn't lose a game. I've even talked to guys from those teams where they went on to beat Pitt and then uh, uh, Bama in the uh, Sugar Bowl. Was that what maybe sparked some of those talks with Utah as far as getting them into the conference? I would say it's more sustained excellence over a period of time and a, and a commitment. Great fan base, great support from the community. Um, you know, when you make a decision about realignment and inviting a university into the conference, um, it should be uh, based you know, more on overall fit of the university and sustained excellence over time, not necessarily one sport for a uh, success for a short period of time, because these decisions are made with a very long term view. And you're always going to have ups and downs, of course. In, in any sport. So you try to make the decision based on, based on more fundamental factors that are earned over a sustained period of time as opposed to a very short moment. As you look forward, and I know it's probably hard to look forward as far as years down the road, especially what we're going through right now in this crazy time, but where do you see the conference five, 10 years down the road? You know, I think we're all learning to be nimble and flexible and, um, um, it's important to be strategic and think long term, but we also, you know, have to uh, uh, be humble enough to realize there are circumstances outside our control that are going to dictate us reacting. You know, sitting here right now, uh, we're in the midst of an unprecedented health crisis, economic crisis uh, for college sports, a race crisis in this country, and some real existential threats from. A, a legal perspective with the effort to, you know, by some to try to professionalize college sports with NIL and other moves. So, um, you know, I feel like we're spinning multiple plates at, at once and trying to make sense of it. Um, so, you know, we very much have a long-term strategic view, and I think the conference is exceedingly well-positioned a long term with when our television agreements are coming up, strength of our schools, how our campuses work well together, great coaches in our league, excellent recruiting. Um, a lot of the great fundamentals are there. But you know, most of our time right now 
is spent on navigating these short to midterm crises, which are very, very concerning and uh, a lot of factors to take into account in terms of the health and safety of our campuses, our student athletes, um, you know, how it's all going to work from a financial perspective um, for our athletics departments, um, and obviously uh, leaning in and supporting the issues that matter most to our student athletes. You uh, announced two days or that two days ago, schools in the conference are allowed to do workouts, uh, you know, where they're able to come in on a volunteer basis um, to work out and obviously very strict guidelines, you know, Utah gave us their plan and it was very structured and, and really well thought out. But we've seen with other schools across the country, it hasn't really been going very well with them getting cases of the virus. And, and I know that there's some schools that haven't started the workouts yet in the conference. But from what you've, you've seen so far with the schools who have, have everything gone well? Uh, so far, so good. But, you know, we're going to walk before we jog, before we run on this. I think our university is going to take a very prudent, phased approach to bringing student athletes back to campus. And, you know, we're very, very fortunate. Uh, not, not only do we have very skilled and experienced uh, athletics directors and their teams, but we've got world-class university hospitals, medical research centers with tremendous resources and expertise. And I think about the University of Utah, we've uh, the head of the infectious disease center at the university's medical center is on the PAC-12's advisory board for how to deal with COVID. Um, The the team doctor um, is really an excellent contributor to what we're doing. So I think, um, you know, University of Utah is a great example of where their major contributors to the PAC-12's overall guidelines for bringing student athletes back. But I know there's great resource and expertise locally as well. And so we're gonna be cautious. I think um, the thing I'd underscore, um, you know, is inherent in your question. Um, I, I, I wanna be careful to not equate the fact that student athletes, others in the community might have the COVID virus with any type of failure or hiccup or, or problems. Um, it won't be a surprise if student athletes test positive for, for the virus. It's actually expected. Um, what we're doing is checking student athletes when they first come back to campus for the virus and the antibody and quarantining them as appropriate so they're not bringing into the athletics facilities. But we have to understand our student athletes are students and they're you know, going to go to the dining hall and they're going to go to classes and go back to their dorm and go to parties and uh, hope they do it in a very a socially responsible way, uh, showing a high degree of uh, responsibility and abundance of caution uh, for their teammates. Uh, but because there's asymptomatic transfer of it, you know, student athletes may have it, be able to transmit it, and not know it. So um, I think we should be prepared for the fact that there'll be student athletes and others uh, that have the virus. It's going to be endemic in our communities all over the conference. Um, I think what we're going to measure success by is how we contain it, how we identify it, how we treat student athletes in terms of their care and well-being, but avoid major outbreaks. I think that's really the goal. And it actually seems like that that's kind of the case with with a lot of the schools around the country. I kind of want to go back just a little bit. I know, you know, through this 10-year window, since the conference has had 12 members, I know now you're not thinking about it, but have you thought about adding more members to this conference? You know, it hasn't been a priority, and we haven't spent a lot of time discussing it. I think the uh, the culture of the conference is excellent. 
uh, the, the fit and the camaraderie and the mutual respect is excellent. Those, those are some of the intangibles that you hope for as a commissioner will exist in your conference. And, and, and I think we feel that people are delighted with the current makeup of the conference. Um, and anytime you expand, there's a risk uh, with that. And we haven't felt uh, a need or an opportunity. Um, but I think as we get closer to our television agreements, expiring and maybe redoing those would be a natural time to think about. I mean, you tend to take a step back, think about the holistic issues strategically. So I'm sure we will spend some time talking about it, but we don't go into that uh, with a bias that we need to add or expand. We'll uh, end on this. You've obviously done a lot of interviews around the uh, nation, and I wouldn't be able to have you on without asking you the, the question that everybody's been asking. And I know that things change daily, but as you see it right now, do you see a college football season in the fall? I do. I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic uh, the way things are going. Um, I see the plans the NFL and baseball and other, other sports uh, have, and um, I see the way our public health officials are kind of embracing us reopening. Every one of our campuses has announced plans or, or uh, uh, to reopen in some form or fashion uh, and to have student athletes start to come back. And based on the quality of the advice from a medical advisory board, I think we're going to be able to do it in as safe a way as possible, a responsible way. Um, and I'm in daily conversations with our peers from the other leagues, SEC, ACC, Big 12, Big 10. I think we're all committed, if things keep going as well as they've been going, uh, to start the football season, try to, try to complete it. But um, we'll stay nimble. We'll have to adjust based on what happens. But sitting here right now, I've got reason to be optimistic. We're going to play a college football season. Well, and I know that fans are loving you saying that because, you know, we're all waiting for, especially during, you know, three months of not having any live sports. It's definitely something to look forward to. Larry, it's always great to catch up with you. I really do. Thank you for, for taking the time uh, out of your very busy schedule to join me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's definitely a time to reflect back and, uh, uh, you know, a lot, lot to feel good about in terms of the 10 years coming up of Utah and the pac -Tel. We're really proud to have Utah as part of the conference. All right, Larry. Thank you. Thanks. And there you go. That was Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott. Really thankful that he was able to carve some time out of his busy schedule to join the podcast. You guys can read more on this over at kslsports.com. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Trevor A. Sports and all of the KSL Sports social accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at KSL Sports. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to the Crimson Corner Podcast. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor, 
find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.